discussing Advance Wars. Um, I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we have Greg. Yo. Next, we have Dante. It's war. And last but not least, we have Trevor. And is there a special guest? Oh, no, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll get started with... Um, We'll get started with the discussion for Advance Wars. This was the fan-selected game for the month of May. So uh, it beat out Evil Within, um, Yakuza, Kiwami, Doki Doki Literature Club, and Gunpoint. So, um, Congratulations on having poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a little bit upset about Yakuza not winning. But uh, well, you guys, hold that. Hold that. <laughs> um since this was my quote unquote selection for this, yeah, uh, man, they came out of the woodworks, man. You guys, you guys actually, Trump type voters, actually, actually. So I've been mulling this over. This was, uh, thank. Actually, first off, thank you everybody that voted. Um, we got way more votes than we anticipated, <laughs> uh, and got more than we did the first time we did this fan vote thing, and it was a very heated. Uh, contest like I think uh, three of these selections were within one or two from each other and it was like down to the wire Um, I ended up switching um, I had done the votes through Google and initially I had it set where you had to um, be logged into your Gmail or whatever in order to place a vote and I think people, some people were complaining that that was like an obstacle because they didn't want to have to sign in or whatever to do that. So about maybe a couple days or maybe halfway through the voting, I turned that feature off. Unfortunately, when I turned that feature off, it allowed for people to vote more than once. And um, for the most part, people were really good about filling in their names so we could see if there was any overlap. But I do know there were a couple of games... uh, that got more than one vote for them. And then there were people that voted anonymously as well. So, um, I think what we will do, and this is, uh, I'm making the executive decision is the next time we will not have a fan submission. We will instead, and I'm not going to reveal the game. We will instead play the second place game and we'll play that after we do this batch of games. So the second place game we'll play in October. So I'm not going to reveal that game. Uh, you guys will just have to wait on it, you know, five months from now. But we'll play, like I said, it was so close. It was literally down to the wire. So I feel like that's being fair because, you know, like it was literally a, a vote away from tying this. And we had no tiebreaker system in place. Um, but I will concede that it, it you know like it was a it was a well-fought race there could have been a runoff yeah yeah so um i think that's the best thing uh so uh yeah uh you guys will just have to see in october what the second place game was so uh i guess mark your calendars um but yeah let's let's get into the uh to this game advanced wars so since this was my selection as far as for the vote I will be um, introducing it. <clears throat> so, um, uh, Advance Wars is a military turn-based tactics game developed for the GBA by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo. 
It is a sub-series in the War series and the first to be released in the West. Uh, the series originally debuted in August 1988 on the Famicom, the original Nintendo, and Advance Wars is the seventh entry in the series. Uh, it was released in North America on September 10th, 2001, with a later release date in Japan and Europe, but the 9-11 attacks the following day further pushed the release dates back. So it was uh, eventually released in January 2002 in Europe, but it wasn't released in Japan until November 2004, and it was released as a compilation with the sequel. Uh, It eventually, uh, this game, the original Advance Wars, was eventually released for the Wii U Virtual Console console in 2014. The the game was originally intended to remain exclusive to Japan like the previous entries, uh, due to to Nintendo feeling that Western consumers weren't interested in turn-based games due to their complication. And what they did to alleviate this, uh, developers made the mechanics easier to understand. They added a uh, much more in-depth tutorial that didn't require uh, players to read the the manual. And after a successful release with universal acclaim and praise, designer, I hope I don't mispronounce this, Kentaro Nishimura uh, commented that Advance Wars' success shifted Nintendo's attitude over Western tastes and led to further releases. Um, and as far as this series goes, Advance Wars is the first game in the Advance Wars series with subsequent sequels. Advance Wars 2, Black Cold Rising, released on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Advance Wars Dual Strike and Advance Wars Days of Ruin, released for the Nintendo DS. Uh, these four games formed a sub-series in the Wars series, and this series as a whole has been dormant for about a decade I think Days of Ruin was the most recent release, and that was back in 2008. So uh, it's been basically off the radar for about 10 years now. Are we counting that that uh, offshoot that they had for GameCube? Was Battalion, Battalion Wars. That came out 2008 as well. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, Did they, yeah. Didn't they come out with a second Wait, one on the Wii? Or am I thinking of something Is that else? like Excite Truck? <laughs> what? What is like Battalion Wars, is this like some off brand? No, dude. So like when I was looking up Advance Wars, um, so it, it it tripped me out how like corny it was. But so the War series, like I said, it started in 1988, and it made me think of the Bond Commando, just the naming convention. Because here, let me let me find the page, and I'm gonna here, read uh, off. Go ahead. What you about to say? I, I was just gonna say, I wish you could like audibly hear my eyes rolling when I said Bond Commando. <laughs> yes. Okay, so here, here, here's how creative these names are. The original game called Famicom Wars. The game on Game Boy, Game Boy called Game Boy Wars. The sequel, Game Boy Wars Turbo. The Super Nintendo version, Super Famicom Wars. Then they came out with Game Boy Wars 2 and Game Boy Wars 3. And then they came out with Advance Wars. So, like, these names are super generic. <laughs> um... Actually, and I take that back, too. So, it's Battalion Wars was released 2005 on GameCube, and then Battalion Wars 2 was 2007 on the Wii. So, uh, for the most part, it looks like they had uh, one NES, one uh, SNES, one GameCube, one Wii. Uh, So, four uh, console releases, and then it looks like um, two Game Boy, two Game Boy Color, two Game Boy Advance, and two uh, DS releases. So, majority of their their titles have been on handhelds. When I searched for Battalion Wars, it said people also search for Excite Truck. 
<laughs> Man, they're just trying to find games for their. <laughs> All right, so um, <clears throat> this is a uh, like I said, it's a uh, military turn-based tactics game. So this is a this is this is like the first of this type that we've played uh, for the show. What is your history with like turn-based games, uh, strategy style games? And I'll start with you, Dante. Have, have, are, is this a genre that you delve into? And if so, what are some of the games that you have played? And how do you just feel about this genre as a whole? All right. So I'm trying to think where my first tactical game would be. I guess technically it would be Final Fantasy Tactics for the original PlayStation. And I enjoyed that game pretty thoroughly. Eventually moved on to Fire Emblem on the GameCube. I think that was like a 2003, 2004 type of thing. And I don't play too many tactical games like this. Um, If I do, it's pretty much Fire Emblem at this point. I like the genre. It just, it takes a little bit too long for how I consume games. So I just tend to stay away from those titles just because I know they're kind of a giant time sink most of the time. But, I mean, I enjoy them, so that's kind of my history. What about you, Trevor? How, how do you feel about turn-based strategy games, and have you played any in the past? And So, I haven't played any in a long time, and, like, I feel the same way as Dante. Like, for me, it becomes a huge time sink because the two strategy game or turn-based strategy games that I've played have been Command & Conquer and um Civ and like when I did play those games I mean I was I was deep into those games like there were there were days where I just wouldn't do anything else besides play it and and so I guess that's one of the reasons why I haven't picked up any lately gotcha and what about you Greg um so I I guess thinking about it like back in like the mid 90s I kind of played Command and Conquer on PC. I guess that's like kind of the first strategy game, but eventually, like, I kind of never really followed through with the like RTSs like that, just because we didn't have like a super high end PC. Um, so as far as console stuff, started out with ta- with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, uh, after that, I'm trying to think of what other stuff I played. Maybe Tactics Ogre, like. I used to play a lot of uh, kind of strategy games, but like Dante was saying, it's kind of a thing now. I just don't really have a whole lot of time to play it, or at least I I just don't have the attention span of doing that. Um, So I've played, uh, I guess more recently, like I played XCOM and that was like the last strategy game I really stuck with. Like it was just something about it that kept me coming back over and over. Um, so that's probably the last one that I've played, but I've played, uh, I have had experience with Advance Wars, uh, both of those, I have Advance Wars, uh, Dual Strike on DS, and I play them for a little bit, and then eventually I either get to a point where I just, I hit a wall and I just stop, or I just kind of burn out on them. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see if uh, I can actually follow through with this game. Cool, cool. So for me, I, I don't really think, I think maybe Civ Revolution for the 360 was like my first strategy game. And I, I did like that game. Uh, and I think it was like the perfect game for me because that 
was a simplified, slight, you know, dumbed down version of the Civ game, and like it was a lot of things that were foreign to me. So, but it was relatively, it was dumbed down enough that it was something that I could wrap my head around. But there was enough strategy that I could be like, oh wow, like think of the possibilities. And then I really didn't play anything else, and I, I kind of want to blame fighting games for getting me into strategy games because. Um, there's a lot of systems and mechanics involved in, in uh, fighting games. And that is something that I, if it wasn't for getting into fighting games, I wouldn't know that I liked. And it, I got really, really, really deep into an FTL hole. And I think I have like 500 plus hours in that game. And um, I now have been playing tons of Into the Breach. I think I'm about 50 or 60 hours into that game. And I love both of those games a lot. A lot. And I uh, I even, because of my love for systems and things now, I'm like even interested in, like there's a couple other games. They're not necessarily strategy games, but they're other systems-heavy games that I'm interested in playing. Like RimWorld and Planet Coaster. Like I'm really thinking about making the plunge into getting in those games, but like like everybody has said, those are time commitment games and and I, I the thing I like about strategy games is there's a lot of um at least the, the few I play the FTL and into the breaches, there's a lot of variability. So you can choose like the same units or the same, you know, uh I, I there there's a lot of things that can happen in a run and that's something that I do like. So uh, and just a little bit of background too, or like uh, 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 this game, Advance Wars, had it not been nominated by uh, nominated by the fans, I this would have been on my list of games that suggest for my month to play uh, because I've heard about this game for a while and I've always wanted to play it and I just never got around to playing it. So this was the perfect opportunity for me to play this game. Uh, so I was super excited when I saw that people had nominated this game, and obviously I'm super excited that it won because it's an excuse for me to finally play this game that I've been hearing so much about and been wanting to play for so long. So uh, I'm super, super geeked to start talking about this game, so I'm ready to get into it. So um, one of the interesting things or cool things about this game is, uh, like as I said, that the... Um, <clears throat> The game has a really good in-depth tutorial, and uh, that's one of the first things that you hit, but we'll, we'll cover like a, at least the plot right before we talk about the tutorial. So the game takes place in War's World and involves five main countries. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't know that was the name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wars you caught me world. off guard there. You caught me off guard. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it involves five main countries, four of which are based on real world countries. So these countries are Orange Star, ah, Orange Star, Blue Moon, like the beer, uh, Green Earth, Yellow Comet, and Black Hole. And then, uh, so the story of the Advanced Wars campaign begins with the nation of Orange Star in a war against the neighboring country of Blue Moon. 
Uh, you, the player, play as a tactical advisor for Orange Star, and the player follows the war effort through all four countries over the course of the game. So that's like the crux of the game. So like when you hop in, I think word in on the street is is that Blue Moon has invaded Orange Star, um, and they are uh, your task with basically fighting them off. Uh, so that from there you jump into the field training, and this is like a a series of thirteen or fourteen little short tutorial missions that kind of teach you the ins and outs of this game. And, um, I mean, it teaches you about all the different units that you use in this game. It teaches you about, like, the terrain and, like, uh, <clears throat> how that plays into battle, how uh, capturing properties plays into battle, um, movement options, uh, the fog of war, um, a lot of things. And this is run uh, or taught under the guidance of Nell, who is, like, the de facto leader of the Orange Star commanding officers. And, um, you, you're, you and me, Trevor, we're, we're like, we're like this, we're, you know, we're, we're like, I'm holding both my fingers up and I'm waving them close together, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing right now for the podcast listeners. But, um, when it comes to tutorials, I, I feel like me and you are like the most critical when it comes to tutorials. How did you feel about the tutorial of this game and like this field training section? Did you feel like you learned everything that you needed to learn in order to be successful in this game? After I got done with the tutorial, I thought I did, but then once <laughs> I got into playing the game, like, I wish they would have just introduced, because the tutorial was mainly introducing you to the different um, vehicles and and um, and units that you can use in the game. Um, but once you actually get into playing the game, that's when you start learning more of the strategy. And I think they honestly could have woven the tutorial, the field training, into like the early parts of the campaign. Okay, I, 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 I part of, at first I was like, nah, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I, I do know what you mean because I was thinking like, you, I feel like there's no way they could 100 percent set you up for success after doing this tutorial. But at the same time, like you, like you said, interweaving it into the campaign would have been a lot more effective because you would have been learning on the job, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, did you did you feel like what were some of the things that you felt were missing, or that you didn't know that you did that you needed to know? Um, man, I was thinking of one earlier. Like while I was playing, it was when I got to like mission six five or six and there was something in there that i really wish it would have gone more in depth with but i think the tutorial did a good job of teaching you like how the units move um how to command units in order to create strategy but it just seemed like it was too separate from the actual game when and then they tried to introduce like one of the um, the antagonist from the campaign in into the tutorial, and that just kind of made it seem I don't know like it was kind of forced. Like if they were going to go through the trouble of doing that, why not just add it into the campaign? I got gotcha. you. Uh, what about you, Dante? How how did you feel about the tutorial section, this field training section? It was really long. 
Really? Yeah, I thought it. Fourteen freaking missions? Are you kidding me? But I mean, like the mission. Are we gonna? <laughs> I, I was about to say I checked my time and I was at because I'm I'm playing this on my uh, Super Nintendo uh, Classic, and uh, and like I checked the time. I was at three hours after yeah. the tutorial. I'm just kind of like this is insane. <laughs> it made no sense. Like, I wish. <laughs> I don't want to go into the Fire Emblem comparisons too early, but it would have been nice if they just got kind of rolled into proper missions. And it's like, oh, well, we're dealing with um, some air units this time. This is what they can do and kind of just set you up for victory and, you know, but not make you actually, like, know that they set you up for victory. Yeah, I totally agree on that. I... I kind of feel like this is where some of our ignorance on this particular genre is going to shine through because I hear what you're saying, but I wonder if we're putting modern day video game uh, things on this. This game is 17 years old. Bro, Fire Emblem's that, that's, almost just as old. <laughs> and, 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 like, I, and they like, pretty much do the same. Like Fire Emblem, granted, is a simpler system. It's sword versus axe versus spear for the most part. But even with the nuanced troops, like you have Pegasus units, which are susceptible to lances and arrows and stuff like that. And when those roll up, it's like, hey, you need to watch out for this thing. You need to move these troops over here. And to counter it, you need to put this troop here. And for the most part, it works out pretty well. And I I definitely think they could have done that with this game. Did that game come out after this game? So, the one I'm referring to, which Fire Emblem the Sacred Stones was another Game Boy Advance game. So, it was about the same time. Because I was, I was going to say, I wonder if they took some of the... I don't even know if it was a criticism, because uh, I wasn't really reading game stuff like game journalism like that back in 2001. But I, I was wondering if, you know, uh, after the that developer said like, oh, well, we didn't know there was a market for this. And then they started releasing more of those style of games here. I wonder if they, that this being the first one and maybe having that criticism helped out further releases. But if they came out relatively the same time, that's not something they can quickly fix. So I was even trying to put myself in the shoes of like, well, let me think about this in the context of when the game was released. Yep. And even then, I was still asking myself, like, why did they have to segment every single one of these, like, into different, um, you know, like, training sessions? So I feel like they could have bunched some of them together or mm-hmm. kind of like what Trevor was saying, you know, um, maybe roll them into actual campaign missions instead. But it it almost comes off as if they did this as an afterthought. Like, the game was coming to, you know, they were going to release it in the U.S. And they're like, we need to figure out a way to not, like... They patch this people. in. I I yeah. I think I think you're right about that. I do think that this seemed kind of tacked on last minute, but I'm gonna say that I did feel like it ran a little long. But I was 100 percent okay with it being delivered this way. Like I I think it would have been better for more people if it would got implemented into the campaign. But I was okay with having to do the tutorial before I hopped into the game because I know if I didn't, ha- if I had the option to choose, most people aren't going to choose the tutorial before the campaign. They're going to hop into the game, and then also, like you guys are saying, if they didn't force you to do 
three hours of tutorial mode, how many would you maybe would have done an hour? Then you would you would have jumped right into the campaign, and then you would have been lost. You know. I tried to do that too. Exactly. And <laughs> did they even was was the tutorial mandatory? The tutorial was yeah. mandatory before you could play the campaign, but I think it was like only a portion. And when I say a portion, I know at least there's 14 tutorial missions, and I know you could not do the last one and go into the campaign, but I don't know. Um, I forgot when they tell you that you're able to... No, I think you have to do... Yeah, you have to do 13 of the 14 in order to hop into the campaign. So the 14th one is optional one. Oh, I didn't unlock it until I got to the 14th one. Until I finished the 14th one. Oh, well... Maybe it was based off your rank, your rating or whatever. Because you, you get rankings in this game. S, I think S is the highest, or A. Uh, so maybe that was based off of how good they, fit, they felt you were doing. I also remembered, um, after listening to Greg, what was missing from the tutorial, or what I felt was lacking. What's that? And it was the fact that you go through this entire tutorial... And I was thinking, like, after I finished it all, it was going to immediately throw all of these things at me at once to the point where I wouldn't know how to play this game if I had skipped the tutorial. But some of the stuff like the, um, um, there's one mission in the tutorials that teaches you about the bases where you can actually create units. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't pop up until, like, mission three or four in the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it would have been better if, you know, those tutorials were sprinkled throughout it or you maybe had to do three tutorials before the first mission, the first campaign mission, and then another three before the second campaign mission. That I do agree with, but I also, like... Man, I would have freaking turned the game off if I had to do tutorials. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I already started like, the thing proper. I agree with you, Trevor, because I'm like, like the fog of war. Once, I, once you did that 13th mission when it taught you about the fog of war, I was like, holy crap. Is every mission going to have, like, all these things? And then I do, like, the first five or six missions in the campaign, or the first, like, four or five missions in the campaign, and there's no fog of war. And I'm like, why do they even show this to me if it's not even going to be here? And then I think it was, like, the sixth mission they introduced it, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I agree with Dante. It would have been a little bit more frustrating to have to do like three mandatory you know clear a section or a segment of uh, missions in the campaign and then do tutorial then you know like that but i feel like that maybe would have been a little bit better where it's like okay here's three or four tutorial modes okay and i'll play three actual levels okay now here's four more and they can slowly like introduce more and more mechanics of the game as you are getting like that uh the reps in uh and i felt like that may have been a little bit better than teaching you everything up front and then you not having to use everything until like mission six or seven. So Greg put up or made a good point with um, grouping missions would have been really useful if they had like, Oh, here's an aerial chapter. Here's a water chapter. And in the first one, they covered all of like the stuff you need to know, like, Hey, ships move in the water. They have this, fuel thing and subs do this special stuff and they just said okay this is the water chapter if they had sub chapters under that that are optional i feel like that's best of both worlds where it's like okay well you know enough to get by there's a couple things that might surprise you but 
for the most part, you're, you're fine, but if you want to go into like explicit detail about these individual units, you can do this. And the other problem I had with the tutorial in general, which is kind of weird calling this a problem, but they tried to make it like a campaign mission, and it just ends up taking so much longer because you have these, like, I don't know, story beats. Dialogue. In, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that... So what what he... And Trevor kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, too, is one of the... the leader of a uh the blue moon um he is who you're fighting against every single tutorial mission and so story beats i guess you could say or like just dialogue between you and uh nell or sorry him and nell happen throughout this tutorial and it kind of artificially lengthens the amount of time you're in this tutorial and um so it's i i think that specifically is why I think that this was kind of tacked on later. Um, just because like, it seemed like they wanted to, like they could have had you just playing against a training dummy. And I don't necessarily think it would have been that much quicker, but it, it just wouldn't have felt as weird and out of place and just thrown on last minute. Um, but it was a decent way of introducing this character who you would fight immediately afterwards in the campaign. There is that. But, like, I still think that it was kind of awkward having to face him so soon. Uh, what's up, Greg? Oh, no. Um, so, the other thing, I guess, that kind of made the the tutorial part seem longer than what it is, on all the missions, don't they, like, kind of require you to, like, get rid of all the units or, like, take over the enemy base to even complete it? Like, I, f- I can't remember if, if the first ones started out like that, but I know for sure the, the later ones... Uh, you had to basically meet the uh, the condition at the end to actually get through it. Just kind of like, I feel like after they teach you the lesson, they could have just ended it at that rather than have you play through the whole mission, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, overall, overall, I do feel like the tutorial was very thorough and I appreciated it. But I even after playing like you got, I don't know, three hours of this, I still didn't feel like, especially based off of how I did in the last mode or the last tutorial mode, I didn't feel like I grasped everything. So it would have been better to get a couple of, do a couple of missions, play some campaign to kind of hammer home the details because a lot of the time the game was telling you, do this, move this character here, move this character here, do this, do this. Okay, cool. Now you understand. I'll finish out the fight, you know? And it would have been a little bit easier for me to do that if I could, like, they, you know, like, like even like what Dante said is like, okay, here's the the sub part or the, the Navy part. The, um, here's how you do this. Okay, now, if you want more training, then you can, like, on your own go to this training. But we gave you enough, like, just face value information for you to be able to at least do something. What's up, Dante? Go with Trevor first. All right, Trevor. So I hope I'm not getting ahead of you. But I'm wondering if the goal of the tutorial, the field training, is to allow you time to be able to look at different units. Because you can look at the details on them and see what they're strong against uh, or what units they're strong against, what units they're weak against. Um, you can see like their, their movement speed, um, you know, their attack range. and but even you can see all that during the game, though. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing, too. Like... I don't know. It just seems like that 
that part of the tutorial is is mainly to give you a chance to play around with the units and get familiar with them. It doesn't do for me it didn't do anything more than that. It's like a sandbox. Yeah. I can see that. Like I, I my tutorial playtime took longer than most of my actual missions. I was like mo- like every turn is a day and uh so I was having like 12 or 14 day uh tutorial like 14 turn uh missions but then when i get into the campaign i'm more around 8 to 10 8 to 11 so like i i was a lot more passive because i was like messing around and toying with things in the uh, field training so i could definitely see that as being a benefit of having all that field training time was that i got a little bit more familiarized with specific units did you 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 had something to say, Dante? Or I was saying we should probably advance onto the gameplay. Oh, I see. I see what you did there. Um. All right. Fine. 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 <clears throat> okay. Um. So yes, like like we kind of said, uh, while you're doing these missions, the field training missions, each against Olaf, the leader of the Blue Moon, you learn that Olaf, um, and the Blue Moon army is invading Orange Star, uh, territory. And you also learn that he is formally affiliated with the Orange Star. Um, so that, that that's pretty much what you learn at the end of the field training. And then you just jump into the campaign after that. And uh, once it opens up at the start, Nell introduces you to Andy, who becomes your uh, initial commanding officer for the first handful, I think the first three missions. He's the newest member of Orange Star, and he's pretty naive, uh yet optimistic and confident and uh his his portrait has him holding up two wrenches so his um he's like the mechanic of the crew and um this is um this is one of the things i I tried to look up everything that uh was added to this series with the advanced starting with the advanced wars uh so they have these things called the co abilities and basically, after you got a certain amount of XP, I think, during a fight, uh, you unlock your CO ability. You filled up a bar to unlock your CO ability. And his ability was the ability to uh, repair damaged units by giving them a tune-up. Uh, but since he was inexperienced, that was the only benefit that they got, where uh, some of the other commanding officers that you see later on, their abilities seem way stronger in comparison uh, but what are your guys' thoughts on this character, on Andy? Like, at least in the very beginning, because, like, the way they deliver story beats and just, like, dialogue is pre-fight and at the end of the fight. And uh, he he just seems, like, almost like an Ash Ketchum character, where he's, like, super young and naive, but he's very confident in his abilities. He, despite, he looks like a child, and you're, these all are adults, it looks like they're he's uh fighting against so how how did you guys feel about him i'll start with you greg um i'm gonna be kind of honest i'm like kind of indifferent on all the characters in this game thank you um what oh oh, like all right i I get so your analogy makes sense i guess or kind of the or the comparison you made to him being like ash ketchum but like I i don't know like i guess I'm not kind of, this is like another, I feel like I say this all the time. I'm kind of not into this game for the story. So it's kind of like, you know, I'll like 
kind of thumb through it, but it's like I'm not really kind of paying attention to anything. Is it kind of really weird saying. that all of these CEOs seem kind of like friends, even though theoretically you're killing all their like soldiers? <laughs> like I, I didn't know if you're killing people or not. It it made it very ambiguous. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. Now that you say that, kind of it, it's kinda it seems seemed weird. like all these CEOs like were in a group meet together or something. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, what do you what do you think about this unit here? Hey, I mean, hey, just pretend they're fraternities. <laughs> you got the Blue Moon fraternity, you got the Orange Star fraternity, and they may mingle and everything. They know each other, but, you know, they, they're down for their crew, right, Trevor? <laughs> man, they, they were about to go into that ASMR stuff. Where they're like, hey, man, I, I see your plane, your chopper over there is pretty good, but I got this jet. This jet's going to take you out. I don't know. Uh, well, I I can kind of, like... I agree with you, Greg, like the story in this game. And I feel like just because we played it, like we played so much tutorial and there wasn't much story, I guess you could say, delivered through that, that we only got set. We only did the first seven missions of the campaign and uh, there's not much story given in that part. But I do feel like there is an overarching story to discuss about this game. And it's... Go ahead. I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit. So I went ahead and played through the entire game. And you're going to tell me that, no, there's not a good story. No, I wasn't going to say that. I was just going to say... (laughs) I was going to say that just don't have lofty expectations for this to go anywhere. At all. In fact, it gets dumber. I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) I cannot wait. Oh my god, it gets dumb. Okay, well, I guess, Trevor, do you have so any... So you have something to look forward to in two weeks. Do you have any thoughts on Andy, Trevor? <laughs> on Andy specifically? Yeah, we, we can we can skip it and I can continue on if you don't have anything right now that you need to say about him. Mm, nothing Even in that... using him as a character. Like, did you like his CO ability? Like... I... Hmm... I wish there would have been a somewhat of a tutorial mission for it because I don't know like when I actually used it I didn't know to what extent his power worked like it said he repaired units but it didn't repair them 100% yeah and I does it repair over time or does no, it just repair once for that I think one turn and it's plus two to everything that's injured. So anything that yeah. takes has taken damage, it gets plus two, but that's it. Man, and that's I thought you also get a little bit stronger, don't you? His no, his doesn't give you any benefit any additional benefits. I thought it, Man, it did boost the damage a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I I'm ninety nine percent sure they said that's his I'll I'll check it out. Okay, well, we, we'll continue on you, while he's checking that. Yeah. Um, so uh, so uh, now with Andy, you're fighting Blue Moon troops that have invaded the Orange Star territory. Uh, your opponents in the first batch of uh, missions, uh, the first one you fight is Grit, who is another former Orange Star-affiliated CO that followed Olaf to Blue Moon, or presumably followed Olaf to Blue Moon. Um, Grit is presented as a pretty laid back, uh, kind of lazy character, and he specializes in direct attacks from range, indirect attacks from range. Uh, what's up, Dante? 
it increases their defense by 10 percent. so oh okay. it's just a super small that's that's as far from what i've read so far everybody gets that uh thing so maybe uh, uh maybe that's why it didn't, it didn't pop up but um yeah so great it's pretty laid back he's kind of lazy uh it, it seems anyways super chill uh, and he almost seems like a weed head, to be honest, and uh, specializes in indirect attacks from range. Uh, he often butts heads with uh, Olaf, um, but there's more to him than meets the eye because uh, Olaf initially orders him to stop the orange troops, orange star troops from advancing or uh, from fighting the Blue Moon territory, uh, advancing into the Blue Moon territory, and he kind of criticizes Olaf and the war, saying that. Much of Blue Moon's territory was originally Orange Stars to begin with, so kind of like you brought this on yourself, dude. What, what are you What are you thinking? Um, I'm assuming that you guys don't have any opinions on Grit, so we can move on. Man, well, you didn't even ask me about my opinion on Andy. I figured your opinion was you didn't care about the characters because the story's dumb and you hate this game. So, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he holds the wrench kind of cool. He does he hold plays. the wrench. He kind of looks like he's a drummer spinning the wrenches in his hands, you know? Yeah. Kind of get that. Uh, what about Grit? Do you have any opinions on Grit? Who? Wow. Wow. Pretty much. <laughs> Dang. You guys are hard. Like, I, like, not that there's any type of... Character? Soul? Oh my god, Trevor, is this what it's like when we got on you about the puzzles? <laughs> <laughs> Man, tough crowd, huh? Well, like, anyway. <laughs> my, my main thing with like the characters in this game, for me it doesn't go beyond anything other than just back and forth rivalry type conversations. You don't get a lot of personality you hurt Marcus's feelings. No, because oh. like, 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 like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a game because I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, like the only other game that we played that I can kind of compare this to, and it doesn't compare, is Phoenix Wright. But in Phoenix Wright, the characters are animated. So you, they, they automatically get characterization through the animate, the, being animated. And I'm wondering, like, if something as simple as changing some of these portraits to be animated would do more to bring life to these characters. Because they're just static portraits of characters. So, like, I agree with what you guys are saying and the fact that these characters are very flat. But I do think there's personality in the conversations that these characters have. But, I think if there was a story to back them, but that, that might but, be the but, case. But you can have characters without having a story. And these... I think... Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, what we're trying to say is the three or four lines of flavor text you get before and like after a fight or whatever are all about, oh, well, I'm getting ready to fight this guy. So it doesn't do the characters much justice for their personality. Well, there's, there's certain things. So like Grit always calls Andy Jr., right? So like there's like a kind of like he's dis Andy sees it as a diss. He's like, I'll show you kind of like, I can't believe you're, you know, you're, you're not taking me serious. And there, there, so there's at least a little bit of personality in this game as far as, like, the, I'm not saying this game is as well written as Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright is exponentially better written. But I do think there is personality in these characters. But 
I think that what hurts it is that these are static portraits saying this and you're reading it like you, you, there, there's not any like basically emotion that's delivered through it so it's not memorable for you guys. Is that fair? Or because I, I, I think you can have like interesting characters without having an interesting story. Like, or I, even personality and characters without having an interesting story. I just think they needed stuff to talk about. Because it's not like, oh, I remember that moment where Andy did this, or Andy, you know. There's no actions happening aside from the battles themselves. So it's very hard to be like, oh, I remember that time on Andy did this, or, you know, there's no evolution. One of the first things progress. I had wrote down was right after Mission 1, there was a funny interaction between Andy and Olaf, where Andy low-key said something disrespectful to Olaf, and Olaf took offense to it, and then, like, that that was at the end of the battle after you beat him, but I thought that was funny, and, like, I mean, even, like, later on, like, we're about to get into it, but when you fight the ace pilot, like, the way him and Andy interact is pretty interesting to me, but if it's not memorable, that's another thing, but, like, it stood out to me. You got, you got anything you need to add, Trevor? The other thing that doesn't help is the fact that it switches them out too much. Like that, I agree with. It switches the CO. Like the tutorial, I was just getting used to what's her name, uh, Nell. Nell and Olaf. Yeah, and then once you start the campaign, somehow she pairs you up with Andy, and it's, it seems like a very forced. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what you would call it, like assignment. Pe- <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I really couldn't understand if he was the one in charge or you were the one in charge. From what I, from the way I take it, you are the uh, person, the field advisor, and these are all commanding officers. So you, as the field advisor, are giving the uh, instructions down to the commanding officer, and the commanding officer is implementing whatever you're telling them to do. Yeah, I think switching them out so quickly, like, because the parts that we've played in this game for the campaign have been seven missions, and so far we've played as, what, three different? Two two different. Two yeah, different not CEOs, counting now. Two different COs, and then as far as enemies, you fought three different enemies. And I don't, I don't think it spends enough time on any of those in order for you to get used to them. I, I like part of me is like well in in the fiction in the lore of this game you're traveling distances in between battles so like in theory like this person won't follow you to the next battle you're you're fighting somebody else at a different quote unquote front so like I get that but I do agree with you in the sense that there is not any consistency and at least your opponents uh, at least. You're you're fighting one character, then another character. Like at least these first three missions, you go from fighting three different characters, and so there's no consistency between who you fight to have any type of consistency in your interactions with this character. But <clears throat> the second time you fight them, depending on how things happen, that is further. Those interactions are further expanded upon. So. I agree with you, but I also am like, you know, like I'm okay with it not being that way, though, personally. 
You got anything? Anything you got to add, Dante or Greg? Nah, uh, pretty much. Okay. It up. So, all right. So then the second mission, uh, you are, you run into unexpected uh, hostile forces in your area. And uh, it's this new mysterious character that specializes, specializes in aerial combat and is in the Green Earth Army. Uh, you actually accidentally run into him in an area where Nell wasn't expecting forces. And this is actually in Orange Star's territory. So you're still in your territory and you run into these Green Army forces. And um, so you, you have a, a fight with this character that specializes in having aerial uh, focus of a character. So that was a pretty interesting fight. And after you defeat him, he claims to have seen Andy before. But Andy kind of is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the, the Green Earth pilot states that Andy is feigning ignorance and states that the next time that they meet will be the last time. And um, I thought it was a cool interaction just because, one, the fight itself was interesting because I was waiting. After they teach you to you in the, in the field training anyways, they teach you about the naval units. They teach you about the aerial units. But then for the most part, you never see them again. So this was like the first fight that you got to use some of these other units that I thought were pretty cool. And uh, it, it was an interesting fight having to, because um, these have a way larger, these aerial units have a way larger range of motion, or excuse me, uh, range of movement. So you can get across the battlefield a lot quicker, but there's a different strategy involved. So I, I appreciated the additional strategy that was involved when having to deal with fighting as and fighting against aerial units. Did anybody else like at least at least from a gameplay aspect? Do you guys like how they introduce it that way? Even if you don't like the story aspect, did you guys like having to? this new enemy unit type to have to deal with and being able to use that. Yeah. One of the strong things I liked when it got to these missions was how they incorporated that part in the character. Like this character specializes in certain units. Like that was one thing I kind of expected, like playing, playing this game. And you liked it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, so so far at this point, it's like Grit is the indirect. So he's like the mortar, the artillery. That's what he specializes in. And now you fight this leader of the Green Earth who he specializes in aerial combat. So now you're like, okay, there's probably a, sea, a, a person that specializes in sea. There's probably a person that specializes in ground units. So it's like, okay, it's a matter of time until I run into these other types of characters. Uh, what about you, Dante? See... The problem, I I hate. No, that's cool, being man. Negative like this no, right cool. now, but um, everything gets introduced in the tutorial, pretty much. Is there any unit that's not introduced? In the no, tutorial? no. Every unit is introduced in the tutorial, but I'm saying as far as like, it's almost like higher stakes. It's like going from sandbox mode where you t- basically you can't lose to going into an actual fight and having to actually have to deal with it on the battlefield. Yeah. So one of the things they actually tell you, like when you're fighting Olaf, is that he has really good units, but he doesn't know how to use them. 
He's incompetent, is what they pin him as. Right, and you you realize that in the tutorials when like you're using um, naval units to get to one point, and he's using land units, and basically chasing you down, and you're just going straight for the um, straight for the enemy base. But uh, what's the current um, CO's name that you're fighting and against? The the Green Earth one. Yeah, the green. At Earth, this yeah. point, they don't say his name, but okay. I, like his his name is Eagle. And and that's kind of where his personality comes in is is the type of units that he uses. Yeah, like he uses enemies that can chase you down, and he's way more of the characters you fought so far. Uh, Olaf's Grit and Eagle. He's the most like he's gonna get in. You know, like he's the most offensive focused character where he's like actually attacking you where grit is pretty much like more of a defensive style character where he uses these indirect units and he has them posted up because those units they can't move and attack on the same turn so like he posts them up and then you have to go to him and that's where his advantage and like the strategy around him evolves and with eagle it's like oh this dude is coming for you um because he uses he focused on planes, so he's a little bit more aggro. But I, you you don't you're not getting that Dante, or like it just doesn't matter to you. Do you feel like you can have like one strategy that's effective against everybody? Or I'm not. I was I was about to say I didn't even notice a big difference between how the uh, how like kind of the the officers kind of um, how like, they reacted to stuff. It, it all seemed about the same to me. Or maybe yeah, that's just you the way just kind of made me think about that. I was like, did the CEOs have different AI patterns? That, that's something like that, that I noticed. I, I, there's, there's a couple of, like, there's a couple of things that I actually read that, like, kind of breaks the breaks some of the immersion, I guess you could say. Uh, some people did say this game feels a little bit easier once you figure out some of the game mechanics. It's almost like... Oh, um, yeah, there's precedence for stuff. Like, it, um, I, I was, there's no sense for them to go after my little carrier units if they don't have people in them a lot of the time. But they but do. those are the first. They yeah. do. Yeah. And like, there's, like, a weird thing where, like, they'll go for it. Sometimes they'll go for, like, an APC. So, you know, instead of going for something that's, like, more dangerous sometimes. I mean, like, like... weird things like that. Par- I, like, part of it is, like, I see the strategy. Like, if it was a human person... I could see some of the strategy involved because that's the thing that gives you supplies you ammo, and that's what you use to bring enemies to locate or you know your teammates to locations. One, like if we're being real, the opponent—I mean, granted you're playing against a computer, but like if you were playing against an actual person, there's no way of them knowing whether you have troops in something or not, you know. So like I can kind of forgive that but i do agree that that is a way you could game the system where if you run an apc somewhere or a carrier helicopter those are guaranteed going to be the first things that go because for some reason i actually have to fight back against that a little bit what if you go over one of the enemy's apcs you can see exactly what's in it the l i didn't realize that the, but i, I don't yeah, think that should be a okay you you wouldn't think that but when you when you said it i thought about it i'm like wait a second i'd look directly into one of those and they had like a rocket trooper uh, dang yeah i didn't realize that but that that's how it should be it should be like not visible to a player so you 
it should be like, well, does that per should I let that thing go and attack the more, you know, dangerous thing or should I attack this carry unit and hopefully I take out two birds with one stone, you know? Um, but yeah, like that, I noticed this strategy across like the different characters because like, especially with like when they use their CO abilities with, um, when Andy used, or not Andy, when Grit used his sniper ability, which increased the range and the damage that his already indirect units could do, like, it made it so much more difficult to deal with him. And same thing with Eagle, he had an ability that after his, when he used a move or did a turn, he could use his ability and regain another turn with all his units. So he could attack with some of his stronger units so him being super aggro actually kind of was scary because, like, he could attack you with his plane units, take you down to 50% health, then redo another turn and just kill your kill your unit in one turn when it normally would have taken two turns to kill your units. And um, those things were kind of frustrating to deal with because I felt like, in comparison, my CEO, or at least Andy's CEO abilities were not as strong to those twos. Uh, Trevor? I think in turn with your COs, it their ability kind of changes the way you play too. Like with, um, what's his name, Max? Who we haven't got to. Oh, my bad. Are we not? <laughs> are we... We, 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 yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll, we'll introduce him. Go, you can go ahead. Go ahead. So um, Max is the, the next CO that you get. Um, and you actually have an option to play with him like after he's introduced and his CO ability or CO power um, increases your attack power for all of your units and your land units your your non infantry land units right. like your tanks and so like when i was playing as him it kind of changed which units i had priority over Mm-hmm. And you kind of notice that with the other officers too, like the the opponents, is they favor certain units, even though they have them on the field, they still favor certain units because I know they'll use they'll have some units that just kind of hang back, and I'll sit there and think like, why are they holding these units back when they've got other units that they're sending at me getting destroyed, and and they're holding these other ones back. Well, one thing I didn't notice is just some people naturally have better tendencies for um, certain units. Like, Max does more damage with his tanks than other people do. Yeah, and his his artillery and his range units don't go as far. So, like... Yeah, that's right. They have... There's a trade-off. Like a, yeah, isn't it like um I don't know what the exact number is, but, yeah, they, they don't move as far as the... Uh, well, they don't shoot as far as what I'm saying. Oh, okay. His range ones have his his uh whatever the mortar one the artillery one its range isn't as big as it would be if you were p- playing as Andy. Don't they do less da- Don't they do less damage as well? Yeah, or? yeah. So like it, it there's a interesting meta, at least in my head. There's an interesting like trade off because I think Andy is probably a little more well rounded than Max because he kind of, at least I guess you could say is base level with all his units but then you don't get the added benefit of the 
damage boost when you do his CO power. His is more about recovering and sustaining everybody, where Max's is, allows you to be a little bit more aggressive. And like I said, even Max also has that 10% defense bonus. Uh, so they have that defense bonus. But then what Max's does is I think it increases his non-infantry, so his tank units, firepower by 40%. So if they're at 100% power, it's going to add 40%. So it's doing 140%. And then it also gives them a, uh, an additional space that they can move. So... He has, like, three bonuses to Andy's two. Um, but then it also just depends on the types of characters you're fighting against. So, like, specifically against Eagle and uh, and uh, Grit, like, it may not be as beneficial to use Max because he has to get up close and personal, but they can fight you from range. So, like, I, I thought there was some strat Like, granted... I used Max from this point on. I used him um, for the remainder of our, this section that we played. So I did have to butt heads up against these two characters. And I was able to complete it. But I, I was wondering, like, will I have an easier time if I would have chosen the other character? Um, but I guess other than that, like, uh, he's introduced as a strong... He's a muscular character. He's a veteran CO. But he's a little bit reckless, which plays into his ability to you know, get in there and do that damage. And that was another thing that I thought was interesting, how they kind of mimicked the character's personality trait or lack of personality, as Dante would say, to the abilities that they had on the on the uh, field. So, like, uh, he was, like, super reckless, so, like, he had stronger uh, ground units. And then uh, Grit was, you know, more laid back and more chill So and, like, thought of lazy. So then that's why his land or his uh, indirect units were stronger and then uh i i thought that was there's some other ones that will happen later on where their personality trait kind of directly ties into their co ability but we'll get into those when we introduce those characters um do you think uh so uh, quick question for you guys so after you fight Eagle, they introduce Max, and then there's that second batch of missions that we play, and this is the, the what we play. We finished this batch, and then we were done. So missions five, uh, four, five, six, and uh, potentially seven. Um, did you guys, you, you got the option to choose between Andy and uh, Max, and the, the game kind of branches off at that point. Who did you stick with, Dante? Did you stick with Andy the entire time? Yep. And, like, I will say this for the, the listeners, uh, after each mission, you got to, you didn't have to, like, lock into a character at the beginning and do four missions. A after each mission, you got to choose which character you wanted to be. Um, what about you, uh, Greg? Who did you, did you, did you run all of one character or all of the other? Or did you mix and match? Or what'd you do? Uh, I pretty much ran Andy the entire time. Okay. What about you, Trevor? Wait, we had the option? Yeah, you get to choose. Because <laughs> once I picked Andy, it kept on sending me into the next mission. With you could Andy. go down. It's... You could go, literally go down and oh, it asks if you would like to choose Andy, and you hit yes or no. And if you, you could like on the left hand side there was up or down, and you could. Well, it seemed like it was almost seamless the way I was going from one mission to the other because I played uh, four, five, and six back to back. Well, that's the point. <laughs> That's, it's supposed to be seamless. Um, I chose Max, so I guess I'm the only one that ran with Max. Yeah, I wish I would have chosen Max. You can go back. 
<laughs> um, so, but yeah, so at this point, the game branches off because you got these two COs that you get to choose from. And I thought this was interesting. So, like, maybe we don't find an appreciation for this game based off its story or lack of story. But maybe we can find an appreciation for what this game, how it branched off, I guess you could say. Um, I need you to put on your 2001 lenses, uh, Dante, so you can give this game a little bit more credit than you're giving it. <clears throat> but uh, put some respect on it. Put some respect on this game. All right, let me let me put on my nostalgia. Is you finished or is you done? <laughs> All right, so um, so mission four. So this is the first branching mission, and uh, this one is the only one of the four that is no matter which character you choose, Andy or Max, it's, it's the same level. So there's not any variability in this. But, uh, so this fight, you fight Olaf, who is immediately criticized by Grit for having a firepower, firepower advantage, but lacking a well-balanced unit. So then after you beat him, regardless of who you choose, Andy or Max, the two of them break out into a heated argument and they kind of criticize the tactics of each other on the field. So if you choose Andy, uh, Max kind of criticizing him and says, I would have just got in there and, you know, knocked him out. And then if you would have chose Max and Andy would have been like, well, you didn't have to be so aggressive. You could have done this and this and this and whatever. So um, they get kind of getting up to a fight. And I think that's kind of why they branch off the, the, the gameplay is because these two are fighting. So the next mission, uh, mission five, is the first true branching mission. So if you choose Andy as your CEO... You face grit in a battle to survive, and so <clears throat> this is this is pretty interesting because up until this point, the two win conditions in the game are you either take out every single unit on the field of your opponent, or if you capture their headquarters. So those are the two ways that you can win, and starting from here, they start introducing other ways you could win. So if you choose Andy as your CEO, you face grit in a battle. His uh, Blue Moon units are poised to capture your headquarters within four days or four turns. So you need to prevent that from happening no matter what. It's the first time the win condition isn't uh, destroy all units or capture the enemy's headquarters. And so the way the battlefield is set up is your troops are huddled together in one uh, bottom left corner of the map. And there's like a maze-like path littered with his units impending you from approaching your headquarters, which he has surrounded by your troops. So since I didn't actually play this, I, I looked at the map and it, it looked pretty interesting. Like, do you get does this stand out as a mission or what? Like, in my head, it sounds really cool having not played it. And this game uh, does does it was it interesting playing a new win condition level or did it did it matter? For me, it was. Um, like you enjoyed it or you, you didn't? Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. I think. A part of like me playing um, strategy games in the past has always been, like with Civ, you're able to change the conditions in which you play. Um, like you can start as a different, um, what do you call them? Like the leaders, um, and then you can choose how many different civilizations you want to have in your game. And for me, that's one thing that's lacking from this game. But when they introduced, like, different win conditions, that's like creating another game mode, I guess. Mm-hmm. And specifically, uh, what was it? Was it Mission 5 or 6 where you start 
with the enemy surrounding your headquarters already. That's, that's this one right here, mission okay. five. That was probably the the coolest mission um, to me because I mean it's just like you have a different objective. Like you instead of defending something or or playing um, or where the the map is kind of um, one sided or uh, divided in half, it creates a different dynamic for the map. And I think that made it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, like, um, it's almost like a, having not played it, it's kind of like a, a challenge mode, or right? Yeah, exactly. Did, did you have any enjoyment out of this, Dante? Or did, did you like this this mission? This was the one with the point in the dead center of the map? Yes. Yeah, this one, it was frustrating at first, just because, like, you really kind of, have to have a really good game plan going in. You don't have much time because I think by the end of day four or five they pretty much have troops ready to capture it. But like as you start to puzzle out what exactly you need to do I, I like I like how they set it up. Like just taking that time to be like okay I'm getting a little bit closer because this is one of the missions I failed a couple times before I really got the big picture of what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that aspect of the game. Yeah, and I'm actually, when I looked at the map, I was like, whoa, that looks really cool. I, I wish I had played something like that. So I definitely missed out on <clears throat> I missed out on playing this one because I really wanted to play it. Um, but, uh, it's always New Game Plus. Yeah, there is New Game Plus. What's up, Trevor? So, a question for y'all. Before you got up to this point, was there any instance playing this game where you where you were worried that you were going to lose? Like, was it difficult for y'all at all? Uh, I got a couple game overs. I, really? Yeah. <clears throat> go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, there was a couple times. I mean, it, and it's like the same thing of the same way I die in all strategy games, I just end up getting impatient. You know, I'll just, uh, I'll make a move. I don't really think about it. And, you know, I don't plan it out super well and end up putting myself in a bad situation. I mean, there's a few times where that happened, but, you know, <clears throat> generally as long as I kind of pay attention, you know, look at the unit, see, you know, see where they're at and not trying to move directly into where they're going to attack. Um, usually I was doing fine. Like... I don't know if I had any prior to this mission, but I know I definitely had some on this mission. I know I had some definitely further into the game. I um so. I I think for me, not this well, I didn't play this mission, but the equivalent mission for for Max and then the mission after, I didn't fail it, but I restarted after like I felt like I had a bad turn, and I was like, oh, crap, like, why did I do that, or something like that, so I would just restart, <laughs> excuse me, and I, and I was actually, I, I, I forgot to ask, like, I'm playing on a, a Game Boy Micro, and the way to restart is to hit start, select, A and B at the same time, and it's really easy to restart for me, <laughs> um, I, I was wondering if you guys, uh, you guys just, like, boot, like, you guys aren't playing Game Boy version versions, are you? Yes. 
I think me and Dante are the only ones playing on emulators. Got it. Yep. Yeah, I'm playing on DS Lite, and there's been a couple of instances where I backed out, um, like, before I, like, I never got to a point where I was about to die, but if I lost, like, the wrong units yep. at the very beginning, I would back out, and I would it would basically just send me back to the menu, and then I would start again. Yeah, so, because I wanted to say, this mission for Max, so this mission five for max uh since i was the only one that played it you face grit in the first fog of war battle so i was not i was not ready for this fight so in this one each unit has a certain range of vision you know and the rest of the map is grayed out so there was like not a lot of strategy you could and i say this as not playing strategy games like fog of war it really just stresses me out when I that that's one of the the things about strategy games that I don't like is the unknown so like I know in when I played Civ Revolution like I just kind of just kept to myself because I didn't want to explore and to run into something and like get bodied and I kind of had to talk myself out of that in this game and um it gets pretty tense because you don't want to have a unit stranded by itself because uh, one of the things they teach you in the tutorial mode about the Fog of War are uh, the, the last, I'm sorry, the, the last mission, the 14th one, the optional one, if you go into it, it teaches you about how to move in around like Fog of War and around traps. So um, you kind of have to move to get some sight but also not to put yourself out there and so the way this fight ends up being is is there's a lot of the enemy units that are hiding in the forest and so when you if you sell yourself to you're going to this square that has woods and you run into an enemy then it it's called it shows like a trap and then you lose that like that you not lose the unit but you don't get any further actions with that unit so you don't even get the uh, ability to attack. You lose the ability to attack. So it's very frustrating to like... Um, it's very frustrating to run into an, uh, a trap. And they're just set up all throughout this this map. And like future maps with Fog of War. That it was very frustrating because he already being grit. He already has a bigger... Uh, uh, range of cone of vision with his indirect combat units compared to Max's direct combat units, but losing the ability to attack with your direct combat ability or units was pretty frustrating. Um, yeah. So uh, after you complete that mission, uh, mission six uh, is another branching one. So for Andy, it's a naval battle against Olaf, and this is the first mission in which the results determine what happens next. So, uh, like, I'm I'm guessing all you guys did this Navy battle against Olaf as Andy. Is that correct? I'm trying to yeah. remember. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I played as Andy, so obviously I was trying to think back to the mission though. Okay, so there's if you capture Olaf's headquarters without destroying his navy, you skip mission seven. There is no mission seven. And you go straight into the next section of the game. But if you destroy his Blue Moon Navy, you will unlock a follow-up battle. 
which is the emission seven. And uh, that, that wind condition is much harder to do since you are, your Navy is gr- greatly outnumbered and it's a fog of war battle. So it's also having that added pressure. Um, and isn't that, hold on, that's mission seven, right? Mission six, mission six. I swore that was mission seven for me, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. Did you this mission, this mission actually made me lose a little bit of faith in the game. Why? Because it's just twist that knife a little bit more. Fog of war. No, I was, I was about uh, to say it's terrible, but we'll we'll save that. For I later. thought fog of war was going to up the difficulty, and oh. then with it being, with it having like all those naval units in it. It was gonna make this a, a a more strategic level, but it was just way too easy, and I didn't know like there was a I condition. I feel like Trevor's try, like low key shining on everybody right now. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about the condition where if you defeat like his naval fleet, then you skip mission seven. Yeah. No. 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 You if you uh, destroy all his navy units, then you go to mission seven. And I didn't even do that. Like I went straight for the headquarters. Gotcha. The 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 head going for the headquarters from what I read, like so I didn't get to, I didn't do this one because I picked Max, but going for the headquarters was the easier out because if I'm not mistaken, what I read was that um, looking at the map too, there was he didn't have any infantry units, so you didn't have to worry about him capturing any points on the map. So you had all the healing points. He had some ground units, but they weren't the infra- the kind that can capture uh, bases. So it was base, and then also they had bridges, and his boats couldn't move, uh, go under the bridges. So it was basically like, okay, cool. Like you just have to deal with his land units, avoid his ship units, and you're you're in the go. Versus going for his ship units was a little bit harder because of the fog of war. Did, did you guys... I'm guessing all you guys captured the headquarters and then you guys got the, the level 7? Mission 7? Yeah, I captured the headquarters. Uh, man, I'm going to have to look up the mission specifically to figure out what I did. I think I killed everything because that was normally what I did on most missions. Okay. Well, while you figure that out, I'll go to the next level. So, cool. for Max... Um, this one was another one of those ones that presented a new way to win. And so this was actually probably like my standout, uh, at least for me, it was one of my favorite, um, missions. It was, uh, you had to capture 12, um, 12 bases in order to win. So instead of when the win condition being, uh, capture a headquarter or destroy all the units, it was the first side to have captured 12 headquarters. So that was that was pretty cool. Because th- this was also one of the ones that you got to build units, which is uh, any any mission that has that the thing that allows you to build units is already one of my favorite. Like, those are the standout ones. So you got to build a lot of units and capture a lot of headquarters and or a lot of bases. And this, so this was a pretty fun... Uh, Stand up battle for me. Any word, Dante? I think I killed everything. Okay, well, I was going to say, so if you if you kill everything with Andy, you get the mission seven. And so uh, if you 
Let me just look up Mission 7. Mission 7 is another Fog of War mission, and you're tasked with fighting even more ships. Uh, so, um... Yeah, the one... So, did you guys do the one with the little island in the middle? With the two, um... There's, like, two headquarters you can capture there, or... I forget what they're called, not headquarters, but... If you go to this link, then you can see what the map looks like. Did either you guys fight that... Play that level? It's in the top right hand corner. No, I didn't. No. I don't I remember playing that. The mission seven on. Rip. Yeah. Okay. So I must have done the other thing. Okay. Well, so if you if you defeat all the enemies, you fight another fog of war naval battle, uh, with Andy. Meanwhile on Max's side, uh Olaf has dipped out to see a mysterious benefactor. And so he puts Grit in charge of stopping you. And um, so Max, prior to the battle, he reveals that to Andy that they, him and Grit have history. And uh, this mission is also another Fog of War mission. And it's Max's first naval battle. And uh, th- this this battle was kind of... Th- this was a very frustrating battle. Uh, I did restart. Um, let me see. Did I restart? I got really close to uh losing on this one where i was just like holy crap like it it got down to the wire where i had like i don't know how many units he had left but i felt like i had two or three units left and i was able to capture his headquarters at the very last minute uh, because i was drawing his attention away with another unit and um it uh after the fight um max demands to know why grit joined the blue moon and Nell immediately interjects and kind of speaks to Grit, and then you find out that the three of them have history. And I was like, I'm not sure, they don't really spell it out, but it kind of seems like a potential love triangle. So, like, Nell basically accuses Grit of leaving the Orange Star for the Blue Moon, because he sensed Max had feelings for Nell. And Grit kind of just cuts her off and sets her straight by saying he did what he did, because that's who he is. And then he kind of just dips out, leaving both Nella confused about what his real motivations are, and then it's like, leaves more answers and questions. And, uh, I thought that was a cool little, I didn't know this was, like, I knew this was, like, a break in the section, but as far as, like, the story and what I'm getting out of it, I thought it was a cool little cliffhanger for me, anyways, um, because I'm like, oh, okay, I want to know what's going on. Grit, I actually do think Grit is an interesting character because he seems pretty, like, or he seems pretty, um, pretty laid back and chill, but he seems like he is not, he knows the difference between right and wrong. So he calls Olaf a couple of times, he calls Olaf out a couple of times in the game for doing something that's wrong. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like, okay, what is his real motivations? Why did he do this? So I'm interested in finding that aspect out. So that uh, is interesting to me. But I guess if you guys don't... Like, you guys don't have any any interest in the story at all? Like, none whatsoever? I can... I know Dante doesn't, but what about you, Trevor? I'm just wondering why these people got drama. And and they're fighting it out with people's real lives. That's the question. See, like, one, this is a video game. <laughs> but two, like, I mean, if y'all want to be like that, like, it could be, like, toy battles, right? It could be, like, 
Remember in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas with Zero, and he had that war with that other RC car owner, so then they took their things out in the RC world. So, like, they were, you know, fighting each other with RC planes and RC cars and stuff like that. Maybe it's like well, that. Well, if they elaborated in War World, <laughs> maybe we'd have that option. <laughs> Man, they didn't elaborate back in 2001? What you talking about? All right. Well, um, I, I guess, like... You already. At one point, I did think they were toys or something. I I, I believe it. it. It's very car like the art style is very like cartoony and chill. Like, in, even if it's not like, hey man, people die every day. B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ready to talk about this game play. Yeah, let's because that's actually all right. Let's talk about let's talk about it. So like story wise, I'm not saying like this is like the best story we've played. It's interesting. Like, I at least want to know what happens with the story, but I might be the only one. And I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not here for the story, though. I'm here for the gameplay. And I think the gameplay is the standout thing. So, how do you guys feel about actually just playing this game? And do you like playing this game? It is fun, but <laughs> it, no, wait, wait. <laughs> it's not even that big of a negative. Let me finish. Go with the I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> it, it's fun. I don't think the missions last long enough. Like when I'm playing like strategy games, I'm used to like having long runs, certain things evolving over time, and this game just doesn't keep me engaged long enough. Like especially for the story to be kind of. Um, there. Take the, take the story out. Take the story out. Like, well, well, with this, he doesn't have to do a thing. I know. Well, I knew you were going to say something because I was about to say something. And I'm like, no, I'll let Dante say it. <laughs> with the story completely out, with the game just by itself, with gameplay, I think that it there's just not enough to keep me engaged. See, and like, I feel like the way this game is set up, it's like a maximum. Like, there's a replayability. So it's almost like an arcade version of a strategy game. So I think it is supposed to be a quickly hop in, do a mission, hop out. Like I, I was telling, like we had this group chat and I was saying like, I don't think a mission at most takes more than 20 minutes to do. And that's, to me, that's the perfect length of time you can get in, get out and like you're done and you can replay missions because like, because they add these different COs you can replay a mission with a different CO to get a different flavor for that mission. There's a ranking system. So you can like work, you have something to work towards to improve upon. So like I've been getting a lot of B ranks. Um, and I've got a couple A's in the very beginning, but I've been getting B's lately. If, if I wanted to, I could go back and replay these levels to get a, uh, a rank. And on top of that too, um, there's the, uh, I don't even know what they call it, but like you get like a ranking. So you start off as the 99th rank. And after you do every battle based off the amount of coins you get or rank you get, you get X amount of coins and those coins, once you hit a certain threshold, you'll rank up and go higher and higher. So I'm, I'm like probably like 96 ranked or something like that. But because they added the system link for this game, that multiplayer mode, it was like a, like, play against your friends, and you guys can kind of see, like, oh, this person is, you know, ranked 50th, and I'm ranked 51st, I want to beat that guy. So, like, I feel like this game is kind of built for multiplayer, in a sense. 
And so I think having those quick, like, 20-minute games is super, like, it's perfect for this game because it's, like, it's an, entry, it's an entry-level strategy game. And I, and I feel like anything longer, like a 45-minute game, like, that would just take too long. That would take too long for me. And Maybe it's just the fact that with each, each mission, you're basically starting over. You got a whole new set of units. And sometimes it's fun when the objective changes, but when the objective is the same and you just have like another 15 to 20 minute mission to do, that's when it doesn't seem like there's enough there. I think you're talking from the Civ point of view, which I, I'm starting to understand because the game, the, the strategy games that I play, you're playing short little bursts where you're like FTL, you're fighting different ships or even into the breach, you're going onto different maps every 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 uh, not turn, but you do like four turns on one map, and you're fighting these units. Okay, they go away. Now you go to the next section, and like so, like there, I'm used to getting bite-sized pieces of game where you're used to a continuous, like ever changing within a single world, right? So that's your strategy games of choice, specifically with Civ. So it's not itching that scratch of what you know as, or what you enjoy as strategy games? Yeah, you can say that. Okay. Okay. And I I get it, because, like, yeah, this is perfect for me. This is just, like, man, like, uh, Into the Breach run at this point for me takes maybe about 45 minutes, and it's awesome. Like, I can do a 45-minute playthrough in a day, and then... I'm good. I, I I got that muscle scratch. I got that itch scratched, and I'm good for the day. And I get that same feeling with this game, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna play two quick missions. Each of them take 20 minutes tops. You know, I I aggress, uh, advance a little bit further into the story, and I got to do some strategy stuff, and I'm I'm good to go, and I, I'm good. So I I do like these little short bursts of playing. What about you, Greg? How how do you feel about it? Yeah, I felt like the length of the missions was perfect. Um, I mean, just mostly because, like, I'm not really a big fan of, like, you know, sitting there playing for, like, long stretches of time. Um, so I felt like it was good. You know, uh, you could you could hop in, do a mission or two, you know, and then hop back out. There wasn't a whole lot of commitment to it. Um, so I was fine with it. Dante, how about you? What individual aspect are we talking about just like the the length of time and like like okay like so i actually enjoyed the bite-sized nature of most of these missions that was kind of like the one thing that i really did like in respect to other strategy games like when you sit down with fire emblem you're going to be on a map for a while that's just kind of how that game is the thing that's different about Advance Wars is every match or every map is its own self-contained thing. Nothing is precious. Like, no unit is precious. I don't have to worry about making a perfect run. If a couple units die along the way, that's fine. Whereas in, like, Final Fantasy Tactics, <coughs> Advance, not Advance Wars, um, Fire Emblem... In a lot of the other strategy games, XCOM's the same way. Unless you turn on an option to disable it, 
most of the units are carryover from previous units and previous missions. And permadeath is a thing, so this is also one of my biggest critiques of the game. What? But not not having a sense of ownership of the units or like or a sense of I don't know. There's no bond you have with any of the pieces. This is pretty much chess 2.0. I mean, as far as like the units or even characters to extend? It's a more complicated version of chess and all of your pieces are ostensibly expendable because when you go into the next match, they're all going to be there or you're just going to be, you know, handed a new set of chips to play with. Whereas in like Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem, those units, if they die, you're hurting the next round. You you really feel it because it's like, man, this was my main offense and I got careless and I let them die. And now I don't have that person anymore with me. So in one regard, it's cool because it makes the game a lot faster. I'm I'm not as worried about throwing away units but on the other hand it just goes back into making me careless about things and nothing's precious because even if this guy dies I'm not really punished for it long term if that makes any sense I can't believe you came with a valid complaint I'm not even mad like it's not even a no 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 no, no. I, I I hear what you're saying and I and I actually like I didn't think about it that way I I do I do like the there's no nothing is uh permanent about this I I don't like being punished for careless play as you said I think it's important and I know there are strategy games where like you said fire emblem and Final Fantasy tactics where an Xcom where it's like you need to be precise in what you're doing or be willing to risk it all. And so I do like the analogy that you call this almost like a chess 2.0, and I do like that aspect of it. The one thing, and I'm like I'm ignorant of those other games because I have not played them, but um, one of the things that I do th- feel like is a little bit different than the chess 2.0 analogy is just that you don't know what you are going to be up against on a particular playthrough. So even though you may feel like. Yeah, it's not all it's if chess evolved to be something where you're not always on the same grid, you're not always on the same grid and you don't always have a a queen. (laughs) And from a game gameplay perspective, I think this is, it's definitely the most intricate between this final fantasy tactics well, it's probably on the same level as Final Fantasy Tactics, but it is more advanced than Fire Emblem. I see what you did there. I I, I caught myself <laughs> doing that as I did it. And like, but go ahead, go ahead. I don't know if it's a good thing for like one of the things I really <laughs> I had a a little bit of an epiphany halfway through this game, and I noticed I was like, man, there's a lot of units that just remain stagnant in certain rounds because they just don't have anything to fire on and there's not something to do with them for real. Sometimes it's just better. It's like, well, this guy's so far behind, it doesn't even make sense to move him anymore. 
and that doesn't really happen in the other games I mentioned. Like Fire Emblem, even if it's not an ideal unit to attack, you can normally attack with any unit on any turn. Or there's always a reason to move all of your units. So I don't know if it's really a critique, but... I think it's a game... I just felt a... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's a gameplay, like, that's a style, or... Uh, that's a gameplay decision, because I I always move... Not always, but for the most part, I try to move my team in units of, like, two main groups or one big group. And, like, when it gets to the point where certain units are no longer, quote-unquote, viable because, like, all the units that they would destroy are gone, they become my border or the wall for my other units that I am trying to protect. So, you know, like, most of the... uh, Most of the enemy types uh, in this game have something that... It's like rock, paper, scissors. So you have something that you can almost one shot or sometimes you can one shot some things that you barely do damage for and then things that you do like about a medium damage to like you do average damage to them so once i clear out i say i cleared out three planes i'm banking on the fact if it's a fog of war there's there's maybe one or two more aerial vehicles and after that all the ones that only attack the air, I put those guys on the front lines or to try to protect the things that I'm trying, like my, uh, that can get one shot that are like, or, or that are weak. And I also use those things sometimes to bait and I send those into different directions where I know the enemy will start going that direction so I can make a straight beeline for their headquarters. But I think it's just a gameplay style. Because I do think that at a certain point, there are no uses for certain enemy units. But I feel like, whereas for you, you're more willing to just kind of toss those units to the side and say, okay, I don't need them. I'm using them for a different purpose. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I guess my last major, I don't want to say critique, but comparison to the other strategy games I've played where... I think this is one of the main things like that this game kind of lacked. This goes back into the story. In um, both Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem, you have these individual units, and these units pretty much like you recruit them either during a match or sometimes they'll come in cutscenes like before a match or after a match or whatever. And each one is, you know, a very specific person like each of these units is a named unit unless you have to like buy one from the store and even if you have to quote unquote buy one slash recruit one from the store you get to name them and you get to equip them with certain armor and whatnot and by doing that you gain this sense of like investment in these individual units and one thing that Fire Emblem does really really good which I think would help advance wars if it was to come back is have these interactable scenes between sequences like the units talk to each other in fire emblem if you have two units next to each other on battle in a battle they um they get like link points or whatever and once their link points get to a certain like rank 
they start fighting better when they're close to one another. It's like bonus damage or something? Like, they'll either defend one another, like, let's say a unit attacks unit A, there might be like a 20% chance that unit B will block like 80% of the damage or something like that. And they also get these little mini cutscenes between those like fights and stuff. It'll be like, okay, well, these units have ranked up as a pair or whatever. And now, I don't know, they have this little cutscene. And Fire Emblem goes like the whole extra step of if it's a male unit and a female unit, they could potentially get married or whatever. Aww. In fact, in the most recent one, it could be a male and male or female and female, from my understanding. So that was pretty cool. And I think just by making each one of these units a character, like an actual character that whose story you know, I think that raises the stakes of the match a little bit. And this is something you'll see, like if you ever read like a message board or have a conversation about Fire Emblem with somebody else, they'll tell you like, oh man, well, so-and-so died, so I just had to reset. And that's kind of how that game is. Like when you use, lose a unit, you're like, man, that actually hurt. Let me let me do better. Yeah. So you end up replaying that mission a lot. And on the surface, that seems super annoying. But then once you get through the other side, it's like, man, I'm really glad that I saved so-and-so. Yeah, I, I can see that being a thing because there's nothing like the, the, the biggest attachment you can have is you can have, oh, this is my favorite naval unit or this is my favorite direct combat unit or this is my favorite... Or my only, you know, Man, bomber. I, I felt it when I lost that, like, medium tank. Yeah, yeah. Times. But <laughs> it, it's it's a different way where it's like, wow, this fight is going to get harder. Not like, oh, my God, think about that tank's children, you know? <laughs> that literally happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I get that. But I don't know, like... I think there's merit in, in both, I guess, in both ways of it, right? This kind of being... Well, it's just kind of bite-sized chunks, you know, like self-contained missions as opposed to having some real progression and and depth as far as, like, character development and stuff like that. This goes back to the chess 2.0 thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, it's kind of like, dang, that's, like, a really good analogy just because, like, it is like that. Where it's, like, the ultimately you care about the pieces because it's, like, part of a bigger thing where you're just like, oh, man, I don't want to lose my you know, my bishop too early, or I don't want to use lose my bomber or my medium tank too early. But later on in a fight where it's like you're in a better position, it's like, okay, I can play a little bit more reckless or risk losing this character or whatever, this unit, just because, like, this fight is almost over. So they're like, for me, I was restarting when I lost, like, a unit super early that I felt was, like, integral to the actual map, like losing a plane really early in a fight was like, oh, I don't get these that often. I feel like these are probably stronger than other units. So me losing this one and it being the only plan I have is probably not good. So let me go ahead and restart, you know, before I get too far in this. And yeah, I, I think like Greg said, there's merit in both methods. So I can't really say like you're wrong or you're right. I, I definitely agree with both points you said. Me personally, I do like the bite-sized pieces, and I do like the every map is different, so I don't necessarily need the um, continuation like Trevor needs. 
but I can see merit in having that as well as merit in having like some type of inter uh, relationship stuff between or like some type of bonding with the character types I guess you could say the units you don't really have that in the same way in this game anything else? Dante, did you want to talk about this fog of war? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Go ahead and go, let's let's boo boo on this game again. I'm ready. <laughs> not me. Fog of war is pretty trash. Not me. Like, I'm not. I'm not. It's terrible. It, it's it's so bad. It's like, a thing. Are you are you complaining about thing. fog of war in general or like in this game? Because fog of war in general is a thing. I feel like there's been better implementation implementation that's fair the thing that ticks me off about this game is man i feel like it cheats you sometimes like sometimes i feel like i know a unit's range and then like some fog of war stuff will happen and it's like oh well actually its range was this or something my thing is i don't like when i get attacked by something that's in hiding and i don't even get to see where it's at if that makes any sense. Like, the, the I guess the biggest gripe I have is, typically, like, and I, I guess somebody let me know if I'm wrong. In, in other games that have Fog of War, I mean, it's there, but, like, once you uncover the territory, oh, like, yeah. it's, it's, it stays uncovered. It's not like this where it's like, But the oh, well, one forest space. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and as soon as you move away from it, now it goes back to being dark, and it's like, which, Bro, I know that troop is there. Yeah. On top of that, too, it's like when you're leaving your base and then you like look back when all your units are not by your base and it's like a fog of war around and it's like, what? What is going on? I feel like something that they should have done to like kind of incentivize this and maybe, they, I mean, they'd have to build some missions differently if they, uh, you know, if they did this. But if you take over like a uh, like a building then maybe that should have like some type of uh bonus to radius it, or like, something. Oh, yeah, where it's like this might do a three by three grid or whatever if you take this over. So then kinda incentivizes you to, to do that. Cause I feel like even sometimes there's not really a big reason to capture buildings. Because, uh, you know I mean, I didn't find myself generally like needing to to kinda do it once I got away from my base, but um, Really? Other than just doing it just to do it. I mean, I was just doing I did it, it to get like have health healing points. Yeah, well, but the I guess so slow too. Yeah. See, like, like go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say like there was times where I did it, but it wasn't like there's some missions where I just straight up didn't do it. Like I just didn't feel the need to because either uh, my infantry was so far behind, and it was typically like my tanks or um, you know my other units that were like pushing forward, doing most of the work. Uh, so I would only like, realistically, I would only do it sometimes just like I said, to kind of take up time. And also, um, I think you get a bonus, a defense bonus for being in, in like a, like hanging around a building. So there was times where I would do it for that as well. But cause I didn't know if that was dependent on if you took over the building. Nah, it wasn't dependent on if you took over. That's the other weird thing. Like you could be on an opponent's building or whatever and you still get the same benefits. Like, the only benefit of capturing is the plus two, which I thought was weird. Like, I figured if you captured a town, you know, you'd think you'd have, like, a hometown advantage or whatever, but... 
or even if he could like spawn units there, like you would think. But I guess maybe that would be too good because you could probably set yeah, up situations. Yeah, like you just need a couple places where you can spawn. And could yeah. you only heal the infantry and mech units? Yeah. So what they said was there are ports that allow you to heal ships, but I don't think so far we've gotten a uh, any port levels. So that's. I think there's one on mission seven. If I'm okay, well right. then that would have been like I didn't. That would have been specifically with Andy because it wasn't like that with Max. And then the same. I don't know how to heal planes, so I think the only way you can heal non grounded troops is with the ships is through ports or by combine joining forces combining them. So two like units that have been injured, you can combine them, and uh, then they'll get their health points back that way. I think with aircrafts, wasn't there like either a landing pad or if you land on a on a carrier, an aircraft carrier? I haven't seen any of the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or the cruiser, one of the whatever the yeah. the the ship is. Yeah. So um, my my complaint, I, I think the t- the plus two was kind of like, I don't know. It seemed weak. It didn't seem like enough enough healing. Um, but I kind of use that as my advantage too. kind of what you were saying, Greg was like, what I would do is I would send some enemies up to the front lines that I didn't really care if they got attacked, but they were at least strong enough that they wouldn't die in one hit. And then I would start retreating with those characters and start like basically leading the enemy back to a spot that I wanted them to, to get to. And, and meanwhile, I was backdooring with my infantry that's in an APC or infantry that's in one of those helicarriers and flying <laughs> past where they're at. And so I, I kind of did that a lot. Trevor? Yeah, and if the if the healing did do more, if it gave more health back, I think I would be upset if the enemy yeah, were to right, get more healing right, because right. I think it was Olaf um like every time his units got hit, he chilled. He would have, yeah, he would immediately <laughs> run back to base. Yeah, yeah. And, and heal up. And another thing you had said too, Greg. Uh, so the mountain terrain gave you a sight. I think it gave you a, a field of vision boost on these fog of war maps, where you could see a little bit further. So it would have been cool since these bases are depicted by skyscrapers. If they could have give you a similar bonus, where it's like, okay, I'm standing in this building. So I should see some type of benefit or like some a larger field of vision from having captured this base because I have a unit here on this building. So I wish they would have carried that over from the mountain. How, how much or what was the, do you remember exactly what the bonus was as far as like the space for the, when you went on a mountain? I think it just doubled it, but like only like the only units that could land on mountain spaces were airplanes, which automatically had range beyond that and then the infantry so i think it just doubled it for the infantry okay and i guess my only issue with that is like i feel like infantry is like so insignificant i feel like they needed to buff them yeah any of the ground troops felt like they needed to get like a slight buff because most of the time at least now or i mean where i'm at right now I feel like you just use them as just bait. You just need them to draw somebody somewhere or like to take over a building and that that's it. Or every now and then you'll use them to take out a tank or something or like, uh, you know, maybe somebody's missiles or, but generally like 
I'm just kind of using them to like kind of you know you, bait the enemy to where I want them to go. You always need fodder enemies. Trust me. That's, so yeah, like, that's true. So like one of the things that I would do is load up an APC or whatever. And I would go to like a, a choke point, like a bridge where there's only one square that you could go to. And then you could just drop in the enemy right, the, the, the infantry person right in that choke point, And then you could load up behind them with tanks. So you can make sure that they always have to attack that infantry first. And they can clear them out. It's fine. But then after that, like they, they use their turn. So then I can just, well, I can just like flood that hole with all my tanks and all my other units after they take out that measly unit or the same thing too. I mean, and it's kind of difficult just because they are, have the shortest range of motion or, you know, they only had, they could only move three turns or three squares. So you kind of had to like send them ahead sooner rather than later, but using them to block some of your more vulnerable, but stronger infantry, like your rocket or your artillery or your, um, anti-air or anti-air artillery like some of those more specific units that were super weak if you built a wall around them with the infantry people then you could ensure that you got to use those a couple more turns so uh did you do that trevor uh the way i used infantry and mech units was they were basically only kept alive so that they could capture the headquarters like my strategy on pretty much every map was to kind of keep them out of the way and then like if i'm playing a long game or if i'm trying to end it as quickly as possible i would put them on a carrier an apc or an aircraft carrier and make a beeline for the hq yep it was like take as many people as i can with the tank you know, and then like, okay, I've killed enough enemies. Time to shoot the the infantry and take over the headquarters. That's my yeah. strategy. I d- I didn't even use infantry for combat. Oh, I didn't use they... infantry. I used the mech dudes for combat to finish off tanks or whatever. If I had uh, to, I barely used them for combat. Uh, I I used them to to take bullets and the like. I would use the infantry to the capture bases because they're weak and they're like really can't fight anything except for other infantry. But the mech units, I would load those up in the APC or the helicarriers or whatever, and those were the ones that I carted around because they just had a little bit more firepower. But definitely on those levels that, um, like that one level I was telling you about with Max, where you have to capture 12 points, that map had those two, it had two of those uh, unit building buildings. So every turn I would build an APC and a, either an infantry or a mech, and I would load them up together and drive them off. And then the next turn, I would do the same exact thing because it was relatively inexpensive. So I was always guaranteed that I could afford to build that. So I had a whole bunch of mech dudes that I could use to build a barricade around my stronger units. I like this game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Yeah. I, I mean, like... It's pretty good. I... I'm... See, I threw him right there. Yeah, you threw me because I was about to say objection, but... <laughs> no, I, it, it's it's not what I expected, but that's in a good way. Like, I, I, there's definitely some things where it's like, man, like, why couldn't this thing be more like FTL or this thing be more like Into the Breach or whatever? But it's in its own way. There are things about this game that I do appreciate. Um, there, there is more of a narrative to this game than those two games, so there is that going for it. Uh, even 
as minor as it is. And I do like the variability in having the different COs. Granted, I think one is way better than the other, but uh, we're about to get introduced to a third CO here in a second in our next mission, so hopefully we can get another strong CO because um, that would be dope. But overall, I, I don't know. Like, I, I really dig the gameplay. It's like scratching the itch of like what I want it to be. So I'm, 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 I'm digging it, and I'm, I'm like. And I feel bad because I, I feel like I said this for every game that we've had a series for, but I would be down to play some of the f- other iterations of this game, some of the future ones. And I was like thinking about them. I was like, man, I said that for Bioshock. I said that for uh, Ace Attorney. I said that for Hotline Miami. You know, like I said that for all these other games. And I, the only one I even messed with so far is I, I started the original Bioshock. Maybe played like 30 minutes and then I stopped. So I need to get better about that. So uh, I, I do want to play some more Advanced Wars, but who knows when it will be. It's almost like you like games. It's almost like that, but I just keep playing the same ones over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, my goal is to have... We've been playing all these games that are like part of series. My goal is to, in my own time, to... Be, and it sounds like a weak goal, but it's 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 major for me is to beat two of the games in the series. So I'm gonna try to beat a Bioshock and uh, an Ace Attorney before the year's up. It's doable, but we'll see if I actually do it. And Life is Strange. Oh yeah, I forgot about that game. <laughs> we did get the Before the Storm, but I man, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna just wait till all the de- all the ones come out, all the chapters come out before I start playing, and then they did, and I still haven't played it. <laughs> so, I, what, what's, what, what do you think so far, Trevor? How, what's your what's your opinion on this game? I like it. Um, I probably would not have played it if it didn't get chosen. Is that it? You're not sad we're playing it? <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sad about okay. playing it. I, yeah, when it was just like, I like it, but I wouldn't have chosen it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just, I don't know, man. It's like all the games that I've played for the, because I'm playing this on, on my DS Lite, I remembered all the games that I played on it, like that were either um, Game Boy Advance games or DS games. And this, like, back then, this definitely wouldn't have been one that I picked up. Like, I heard about it and knew how how much people liked it, but I haven't found that charm yet. Gotcha, gotcha. What about you, Greg? Oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying the game. Um, I've, I mean, I guess I had previous experience coming from, like, I played a little bit of, um, at least the first three, um... So, I mean, I kind of knew what, what I was expecting to go in, but, uh, but yeah, so far, I mean, I'm, I've been enjoying it. I like the, uh, I like the units, um, kind of, I do appreciate how, you know, how bite-sized the missions are. Um, I'm kind of interested to see if the tactics that you've kind of developed this early on, if they kind of work throughout the rest of the game, if there's any ways that they shake it up a little bit more, um. But yeah, we'll get. I guess we'll see. And Dante, 
You know, I'm not going to lie. I was salty going into this. This episode? Because I was... This huh? episode? Or this game? Yes. The game. Okay. Because... You felt like you got robbed. A little... I, I'm not even going to lie. I okay. pretty much felt I, exactly how Greg felt. And, but, yeah, um, I'm, I, I'm sorry you felt that way because it was kind of my fault for... No, no, no. I mean, the pull is the pull. Yeah, no, 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 no. Not that part, but just, like, opening it up the way I did... So, like, people could put, like, people, we were like, people could potentially vote twice, but nobody's going to vote twice, and people did, and that's on me. So, like, I I do feel a little bad about that, because... No, I mean, you discussed it with the group, so, I mean... But, yeah, like, I I wasn't happy about it going in, and took me a little bit past the tutorial to really even feel like I was starting to give the game a fair shake, because I was really salty about the tutorial. Mm -hmm. On top of just like, okay, I wasn't expecting to play this game one, two, this tutorial is literally like three hours long. But then when I actually got into the missions, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty cool, like, time waster type thing. Like, the gameplay is definitely the standout thing about this game. And I think they do a really good job setting up the systems. I think there's definitely a lot of interface stuff they could have done better. Because one of the things I really hate is, like, having to constantly check to see, oh, well, this unit can only fire on this and this. And this yeah, unit can only fire on this yeah, and this. yeah. If they just, like, if you clicked on a unit and you hit attack and it just, like, marks stuff in green for you, that'd be a lot faster than having to hit the R button mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. going through this kind of, well, I say archaic now, but that game came out so long ago. The menu system is just kind of weird how it sets everything up. Yeah. But aside from that, the gameplay's fine. It's it's good. So I I'm having fun with it. I actually <laughs> I I was gonna say up until mission seven, like, since I've I've actually played through the entire game, my thoughts of how I think I thought up to mission seven was relatively positive. Okay. I was gonna say I pulled up a game facts uh, unit fact from like 20, 2002 maybe with all the units and what was what was good against what because it was just like I hated having to go into that menu and like trying to figure out okay can this attack this or can this attack this because I hated like moving a unit like having this whole plan drawn out and then being on my fourth unit to attack and I move it to something that I think it can attack and it can't and then I'm like well dang I would have use this to attack this if I would have known that. And so it, it, it was, it was frustrating. So I, I have a, a 16 year old uh, fact open when I play this game in order to see what can hit what I wish that was a little bit better presented. Like you said, but like you said, this is the, this game came out before beyond good and evil. So if this is the oldest game, we've played. it is the oldest game we played. Yeah. So I dig it. I think for the most part we dig it. So uh, I look forward to finishing this game off. Uh, So for the second part, we're going to be playing from mission eight to the end of the game, which is mission 18 or 21. So it's kind of weird how it's set up, but the last mission, as far as the game is concerned, like the last title card you get is mission 17, and if you do a very specific route, there is an 18th 
but I think we might all have failed to do the requirements for that already. Oh, okay, so I'm on the wiki, and they have asterisks by levels to de- denote a bonus mission. So, like, there is an asterisk beside that seventh mission for Andy to denote a bonus mission. And then the next section we're about to play, it looks like it's 8 through 14. And it looks like 12, 13, and 14 are bonus missions. So we could potentially miss those. And then it looks like 15, 16, 17, 18, you fight. 19, 20, and 21, you fight. And then 22 is a bonus mission. So I think that probably the count, if you miss those three 12 through 14 bonus missions, probably matches up to what you did, Dante. So... Yeah, there's 18 missions, it looks like. 22 total, but it looks like five of them are bonus missions that we can miss. So, yeah. Just finish the rest of the game if you guys are playing along with us. Um, And so we will be starting at mission eight, uh, Sammy's debut. So if you're playing along with us, start on that mission. Um, Greg, do we have any questions? A question. Uh, no, we do not. But if you guys are uh, looking to get involved with the show, or give us any feedback, or just want to talk about uh what we've been playing, you can hit us up at mischeckpoints at gmail dot com. Cool. And uh, where can people reach you at, Greg, if they wanted to ask what you're playing? Uh, you guys can hit me up on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, Facebook is the same, Boombox Hero. And also on Twitch, even though I hadn't been streaming over the past month, but uh, you guys can hit me up on Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrdmagnegrox. Cool. And uh, what about you? Where can people reach you at, Dante? Um, Yeah, I haven't really updated my blog in a while. I haven't been on Facebook as much. So... Yeah, probably they can't find me right now. What about you, Trevor? Where can people find you at? Well, I'll be adapting to daddy duties in the next couple of months. But um, most likely, um, you might find me on PlayStation Network, Lyric Unsung, um, doing my daddy duties in God of War. Mm -hmm. Boy. Playing Guile in Street Fighter and being a family man. (laughs) Even though your child is female, do you ever just get the inclination to go, boy? Have you been playing God of War? I've thought about it. Huh? You been playing God of War? Um, I rented it the first weekend it came out, but haven't had a chance to play it since, so I'll be renting it again or borrowing it from somebody. Gotcha. Man, I would let you borrow it, but then I'd let somebody else borrow it already. <laughs> but they should hopefully be done soon. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at La Ensalada de Papa or Facebook at Marcus Von Dawson. Um, and on uh, PSN, I haven't been playing too much. Most have been playing Overwatch, La Ensalada de Papa. But really, I've been <laughs> watching a lot of NBA playoffs and playing this game in the background, Advance Wars. So you probably won't be able to find me either. But good luck. Um, but I guess with that, uh, that's our first part of Advance Wars. Uh, what's up, Dante? You have something? I just wanted to offer a brief, really quick apology to our um, listeners. 
since we took a week off. Um, as you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, there's a new dad in the family, our Miss Checkpoint family, and um, just a lot of male hassle on. Oh yeah, man. I guess I should explain. Okay, so this is mostly my fault. We we it wasn't Trevor's fault. It was my fault. Um, the poll, we should have ended the poll or had it planned out a little bit better to end a week before. So the poll ends on a Saturday, Sunday, and we pretty much give ourselves two weeks from that day in order to get the game. So I'm like, cool, I order it the very next day off of GameStop. Uh, GameStop, you can only buy it online. You can't buy it in stores. So it's like, no problem. And just to be on the safe side... I'll pay the two, uh, $10 to get the two-day shipping. So I end up spending like $32 total for the game. So I ordered on a Monday during the day, like in the morning. So I should get it no later than Wednesday, right? Wednesday rolls around. I've been checking the tracking stuff. Everything's coming up fine. About 7.30 uh, my time in the morning, it says it's reached my facility. So I'm like, bet, I'm going to get it that day when I get home from work. I get home from work, nothing. I check the tracking. The last update was that it arrived at the Kansas City uh, arrival or facility, right? So I'm like, oh, well, maybe there was a mix-up or whatever. Uh, maybe I'll just get it tomorrow. No biggie. I've had that happen before where I've paid two-day shipping for something. And it doesn't show up to the third day. So I'm like, no biggie. Fine. So I'm at work Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and I'm like uh, checking the tracking, and it hasn't been updated in a day, but the... It still says it's going to get delivered that day. So I'm like, okay, cool. Get home. Nothing happened. I'm like, okay, what's going on? I'll give it one more day. So then I um, I, I end up having something I got to do on Friday. So I get home. There's no game. And I, I get home kind of late. So at that point, I'm like, all right, well, no biggie. I'll just go by the UPS facility on Saturday and pick up my game. Wake up, do my thing, whatever. Check, see their hours, their address. Oh, snap, they're closed on the weekend. So I'm like, damn, like if I had known that, I would have went to them on Thursday or something like that. So I play some phone calls and I just keep hearing, uh, getting uh, robot messages or speaking with robots about my issue. So I uh, don't get to speak to another person until Monday, which is a full week after I order the game. And the person pretty much says, Oh, yeah, we lost your game. We lost it. Um, it's a lost package, so you're going to have to contact uh, uh, contact GameStop and let them know that it's a lost package claim and open that up with them. So I email GameStop, and I'm like, okay, here's what happened. And I would already emailed them earlier in the, uh, during the weekend. I emailed them on Saturday and said, hey, like, your tracking thing isn't working. My game's supposed to have been here on Wednesday. It's Saturday and it's still not here. What's up? And I didn't get a response from them until Tuesday. And long story sh- And it said, <laughs> are you a pro member? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing like that. But um, basically, uh, they asked me if I wanted a refund or for them to send me a new game. And I'm like, just refund me, please. And I end up, uh, Trevor hooked me up with the link, so I, I ordered the game off eBay on Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, and uh, I got that game Saturday during the day. Uh, no, excuse me, Friday. I got the game on Friday, so last Friday, 
and uh, the Friday of the week we were supposed to record. And I grinded through it, and I did the tutorial, and I was I did the tutorial all that day. And I we at that point we had already decided that we weren't going to release an uh, an episode, and we were they were trying to scrape together a, a bonus episode for you guys for a different game, but things kind of fell through with Trevor uh, having a whole ass kid delivered, brought into this world. <laughs> so, uh, um, long story short. Uh, Sorry about last week. Um, it kind of threw off our groove, but uh, be on the lookout for a bonus episode or two, or you know, hopefully we'll we'll start getting those off the ground. I know there's already one in the works, and uh, hopefully we won't let it happen again. This is a, or we'll at least make an announcement maybe next time. So it was a complete accident. It was mostly my fault, but uh, our bad. So yeah. There's there's the story. Anything else, Dante? <laughs> no, uh, don't don't put this off. Oh no no no. Oh, and um, and to top it off too. So GameStop emailed me back. I think it was two days ago at this point, and they said, um, "What did she say?" The woman said, "Oh yeah, here's your um, uh, well." your refund for uh, $21 and blah, 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 basically the cost of the game, it went through, so you should see the the uh, account, the money in your, your bank account in the next three to five business days. And I immediately responded, and I was like, so what's good with the $10 shipping, though? Because I want all of my money back. Like, I'm, why am I paying $10 for shipping and then I don't get the game, and then y'all trying to keep it, too? Like, what? Because I was like, I know... It, Ultimately, it's UPS's fault for losing the package, but I didn't start this transaction with UPS, so that's something that GameStop and UPS need to work out. I just want 100% of my money back, please. So I, I emailed them back, and I got the generic uh, automa- uh, automatic response, so I'm awaiting to hear about that additional $10 shipping that I paid that I haven't heard any word about yet, so... What if they said they could only offer it in store credit? If they can only offer it in store credit, I'm, uh, I guess, as the kids will say, GameStop is canceled. <laughs> we marching, we boycotting. <laughs> Power to the players. Power... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's the best joke you ever told, man. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, with that, <laughs> um, I don't think we have anything else. So uh, I guess with that, we are Miss Checkpoints and we're signing off. Peace.